This is Jeffrey William. I am the Sovereign Man, and you're listening to Love Radio. When it comes to science, one thing I'd like to uh, recognize is that science needs funding. And while some scientists do create their own independent funding, um, where they research things they're interested in, I get the impression that most science is funded by governments and large corporations to research particular fields of study. This does not allow for a full spectrum of discovery, in my opinion, and can keep a lot of serious discoveries hidden because the interest isn't there in money making because a lot of scientists most likely rely on their careers for their livelihood they also I would imagine are not interested in risking their reputation and their career to study something that would be taboo or detrimental to their funding and their tenure I got this impression just from a woman that I was speaking with last week. She's not a scientist, but she does hold a license to be a registered massage therapist. Now, doctors hold a license similar to this as well, where they are essentially obligated to follow the rules of the college of the university of the license uh, association um, to be able to be recognized to perform a practice in this field and especially here in the west we get the impression that without some type of recognize recognizing letters in our name, some piece of paper declaring from a institution that we are legitimate, that we won't be able to find work, 
and we won't be recognized by our peers as being worthy. I think this is hogwash. I think that this is just a manipulation with fear and that life and, and all of creation will allow for opportunities for us to thrive without some kind of declaration from our community that we're worthy. I've experienced this in my journey where standing up for something which I think is more important than following someone else's rules or standards may not land me the jobs, the opportunities that I want in that particular direction. But I love the meme. I'm so grateful I didn't get what I thought I wanted. Life has opportunities for us. And if we stand behind our morals and what's good and what's right, we're not going to be left homeless, starving. We may have a different path that's paved for us. A bit of a uh, lesser known direction than the majority of people going in these days. Something a little off the main beaten path. But I think that this trail is far more exciting. I think this trail leads to so much blessings and rewards in life instead of following someone else's dictates under fear that you may lose your license, lose your recognition by the community. And not be able to financially support yourself. It's a gloomy morning here in Hamilton. We're expecting rain today. Seem to get on my recording of these podcasts on gloomy days, which is interesting to note. feeling inspired today, just starting a fire in the shop, because it's a little, a little cold, it's a little um, damp down here at the beginning of the day, but I'm feeling inspired to, to speak to you on some important things to me, and I hope to you. I've been procrastinating and putting off uh, this episode 7 
definitely behind on my uh, goal of putting out an episode a week. But here we are now. The last two episodes I've been discussing this uh, incredible, mind-blowing book called The Invisible Rainbow. History of Electricity and Life by Arthur Furstenberg. And he proposes some, I don't want to say outrageous, but um, some dramatic conclusions to the problems we face with our health. in the world, all around the world, and really um, puts together a large source of information to show that these problems have been increasing with the increasements of electricity. I originally opened this book so that I could get some firm dates and figures on cold-like symptoms, flus, and epidemics um, related to that in relation to the advent of certain technologies like radio and and sonar and, and cell phone waves. And to my amazement, it goes so much deeper than that, that I thought, you know, it's one thing to sort of cover up the truth about people are actually getting sick from exposure to new frequencies, electric magnetic frequencies, rather than getting sick from some contagious virus, uh, from people around them. I was uh, endeavoring to prove the co- or show the coincidences of, of these technologies and the insurgence of, of these pandemics, epidemics in history and uh, in my opinion, there's no such thing as coincidences. So to show that something is implemented in the form of new technology and then all of a sudden a new flu happens, when you see this multiple times in history, I think it's pretty apparent what's going on. Um, but I was, you know, I understood why the cover-up would be, but now I really understand why the cover-up needs to be for big business. Because this is way bigger than I thought it was going to be. You know, flus are one thing, but now this book is talking about the three biggest killers. Heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. And I think that's pretty far-fetched to think that radio waves and cell phone waves are 
the leading cause for this illness, but the way he breaks it down makes so much sense, and I'll uh, dive into that with you today. Speaking with a friend, he said, you know, I'm willing to, to uh, look over a few chapters of that book, and, and um, you know, I'm interested to see what kind of peer review studies there are regarding this. And I'd imagine there's not really any peer-reviewed studies, uh, strictly because there's not going to be any funding to do studies like this when it affects comp compromises the entire spectrum of capitalism uh, and many, many fields of, of money-making corporations. just want to say again that to my perspective there's great evil in the world just like there's great good there's extremely good and loving people and I think there's probably the, the uh, polar opposite as well not sure if I've met any of these extremely evil people but I do think they're out there, and I do want to say that I'm grateful that they're out there. I think it is a important part of balance in life, and I'm thankful that these people are evil because it's an opportunity and a lesson to show me a world that I don't want to live in. Show me the duality of things that I don't want. So that I can strive to build a community and a world that I do want. And this is it. The mistakes we make in life... are the portals to discovery. They allow us to, to see the ways we don't want to build things and to learn how to improve. Oh, this happened when I did this. Well, I don't like that outcome, so I won't do this. So there's a page I'd like to read from this book to get started. This is page 126 and 127 in The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg. A large, rapid qualitative change in the Earth's electromagnetic environment has occurred six times in history. In 1889, power line harmonic radiation began. 
from that year forward, the Earth's magnetic field bore the imprint of power line frequencies and their harmonics. In that year, exactly natural magnetic activity of the Earth began to be suppressed. This has affected all life on Earth. The power line age was ushered in by the 1889 pandemic of influenza. In 1918, the radio era began. It began with the building of hundreds of powerful radio stations at low frequency and very low frequencies. The frequencies guaranteed to most alter the magnetosphere. The radio era was ushered in by the Spanish influenza pandemic in 18 sorry, 1918. In 1957, the radar began. It began with the building of hundreds of powerful early warning radar stations that littered the high altitudes of the northern hemisphere, hurling millions of watts of microwave energy skyward. Low frequency components of these waves rode on magnetic field lines to the southern hemisphere, polluting it as well. The radar era was ushered in by the Asian flu pandemic of 1957. In 1968, the satellite era began. It began with the launch of dozens of satellites whose broadcast power was relatively weak, but since they were already in the magnetosphere, they had as big an effect on it as small amount as the small amount of radiation that managed to enter it from sources on the ground. The satellite era was ushered in by the Hong Kong flu pandemic in 1968. The other two mile po posts of technology, the beginning of wire the wireless era and the activation of the high-frequency active aurora research program, also known as HARP, belong to very recent times and will be discussed later in this book. Ooh, I thought that page was a beautiful synopsis of the few chapters I've been reading. And that's sort of what I was looking for when I originally started to do this research for these podcasts, which was, you know, only maybe going to be one podcast in my mind, but it's turning into a, a lot bigger segment to discuss this information. This podcast goes on, or sorry, this, uh, this book goes on to start to touch on heart disease next, which is pretty wild for me to hear that electricity could be the leading cause of heart disease in the world. But when he said in his book that 
the heart is an electrical muscle. I just had an epiphany moment where, duh, check out the defibrillator. Just like a car, when we, when our heart stops, we give it a jump, an electrical impulse, a surge to reboot it again. No doubt that electrical impulses in our environment could skew the function of our heart. It could mess up our electrical beat, our pacemaker inside our heart. I think we have an understanding that the leading cause, the leading cause of, of heart disease is cholesterol in the diet, or at least this is a, a big culprit that's blamed. And not that I disagree with cholesterol being detrimental to heart health. I think that perhaps this, he points out that this isn't actually the biggest or one of the biggest culprits for heart problems. When he looked at some of the research, he was finding that our ancestors had higher levels of cholesterol in our diet, but lower levels of heart disease. And found it very interesting that Soldiers and athletes, young, healthy, able-bodied people were actually suffering from a dramatic increase in heart attacks and heart issues when they started the, implement the impl implementation of cell phones and cell phone towers. And he explained that it seems when you are in extreme forms of activity, like uh, sport or war and training, that you are exerting a lot of stress on this organ. And this may be the reason why the history has seen this particular demographic of people suffering from it. Not to mention, in my perspective, a lot of soldiers are immersed in this new advanced technology, whether it be telegraphs or radio or sonar or any modern frequency technology for communication and other means of warfare or weaponry. When I was watching a video on swine flu um, discussing the negative consequences that that particular vaccine had on the American population it discussed how the 
official story of swine flu began with a soldier um, in some barracks situation collapsing and an outbreak starting in that barracks or that training facility. And this book has highlighted it a couple times where it seems that this, these epidemics start in the Navy uh, soldiers or some type of military demographic before it's seen in the general populace. Arthur Furstenberg talks about, well, you know, if these electromagnetic frequencies are having a negative effect on the heart, then surely we'd be able to see some evidence of that in Marconi, the known inventor of the radio. And sure enough, the history says that Marconi suffered from 10 heart attacks in his life once he was working on in his uh, career of radio. And finally, the 10th one killing him. What I found kind of synchromistic um, when I was reading the chapters on heart disease, it talked about coronary. It talked about coronary disease. And when you break down the word coronary, it's spelt corona-ry. Corona-R-Y. <laughs> that just popped out on me. And maybe it's nothing, but any it's synchromistic in some sense. Um, that we have some problem with our our heart and and the major arteries and veins around it. And that this plays into a corona, the corona world that we're living in now. So the book talks about how what happens in, in the cellular level is that even though oxygen and nutrients are pumping through the blood, the cells, the mitochondria, which is the powerhouse of the cells, aren't able to uptake that nutrients and oxygen. For some reason, there's something stopping it, which he's concluding stems from some electromagnetic frequency potentially blocking that uptake of nutrients. And because it's not able to be extracted out of the blood, these sugars stay in the blood and build up, causing diabetes. And these fats stay in the blood and build up this plaque on our artery walls. So where our body is circulating the raw materials that are needed, but because they're not able to be delivered, there's an excess and a backlog 
in that transit system of our, our blood work. And that totally made sense to me when I hear things about this new corona uh, flu symptoms where people are, from doctors' perspectives, looking like they were put in a, a low oxygen environment. Like they were, you know, some kind of... Um, issues with their lungs that he would normally see on high altitude pilots or like you stuck someone up on top of Everest without climatizing to the low oxygen levels. And he sort of talks about how it's not necessarily the lungs, it's on a cellular level where this oxygen deficiency is having the effect. So this is like super heavy and potentially the biggest biggest lie in our in our lives. That's not being talked about. And if electromagnetic radiation has the effect on our bodies to the extent that this book is speaking about, no wonder it's, you know, if a group of wealthy, greedy people hungry for more and more are in the know about this, why they wouldn't want this truth to be shared because it would mean the end of a lot of money making and control based industries it was just proposed to me Facts are funded. Facts are funded. Even though we have such high technology that we feel such brilliant people in science and research, those facts are funded. And it takes a lot of money to do proper studies and research. Last thing I want to touch on is I feel um, a lot of us have this impression that someone's going to do something one day. It reminds me of that meme. I saw the world's problems and I wondered why someone doesn't do something about it. Then I remembered that I was somebody.
I feel we have a responsibility to enact change in our communities. That we can't rely on some governing body to create policy for change. We can't rely on some spiritual savior or extraterrestrial race to come down and save us from our folly. This is our responsibility and our mess that we got to clean up. We scattered all our toys across the carpet, across the rug, and Mama's not going to clean them up forever. One day we got to be big boys and big girls and clean up our own toys, clean up our own mess. This is the growth and the learning that's tied in with it. So I don't think we should be relying on the notion that some savior, and whether we consciously think that this will happen or we subconsciously hope it will happen, I don't think that this is the best course of action that we should be holding on for. If we want to live in a better world, then we got to be the ones to take responsibility to start making some moves to fix it or improve it. I think we should be grateful for how amazing of a place that we live in and that most of us are able to crawl into a warm bed with a roof over our heads every night, clean sheets. I think that's the case for everyone listening to me on this podcast today. But let's not make that the motivation to be satisfied with the world we live in. I think there's a lot that needs to be improved. I've discussed in my previous podcasts the angle that I feel we should be taking to go about change. In my micro level, I'm stopping to pay for a service that I don't. I'm not happy with the service I'm receiving. And that service is government. Among other things, I'm using my dollar to vote. Because I don't think voting in a new leader to control me is going to bring about the world that I want. But ultimately the most important thing is the growth and knowledge, the conscience of man where we can all get on to a higher level of understanding. And we could, if we all come online, we could instantly transmute the community that we have into a loving one where we dissolve control in government and create service. We create these service departments that we still want and need in our community.
and nothing has to change except for the level of violence and force and power that government feels it's entitled to have against the common man. Thanks for joining me on this episode. I don't think I have a perfect plan to create change in my environment. I'm open to evolving my ideas, but I do think that change needs to come. And I don't want to live in a world where I'm under the threat of violence because I don't want to pay somebody money. I don't want to live in a world with punishment because someone didn't do something we wanted them to as a community. Until the next time, thank you.